Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Each day we'll look at a text from the weekly readings from the Westgate Church Bulletin. We will look at background material and also application of the text. So once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Well, good morning, or good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time it might be as you are listening to this Thursday edition of the Illuminated Word Podcast. As always, I'm David McLean, and our reading today is going to come from Hebrews chapter 9, and we'll read verses 11 through 28. It reads, So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. So just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under that first covenant. Now, when someone leaves a will, it is necessary to prove that the person who made it is dead. The will goes into effect only after the person's death. So while the person who made it is still alive, the will cannot be put into effect. That's why even the first covenant was put into effect with the blood of an animal. For after Moses had read each of God's commandments to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats along with water and sprinkled both the book of God's law and all the people using hyssop branches and scarlet wool. Then he said, This blood confirms the covenant God has made with you. And in the same way, he sprinkled blood on the tabernacle and on everything used for worship. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. That is why the tabernacle and everything in it, which were copies of things in heaven, had to be purified by the blood of animals. But the real things in heaven had to be purified with far better sacrifices than the blood of animals. For Christ did not enter into a holy place made with human hands, which was only a copy of the true one in heaven. He entered into heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf. And he did not enter heaven to offer himself again and again like the high priest here on earth who enters the most holy place year after year with the blood of an animal. If that had been necessary, Christ would have had to die again and again ever since the world began. But now, once for all time, he has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice. And just as each person is destined to die once and after that comes judgment, so also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who eagerly are waiting for him. And so, and it was a fairly long reading, but I kind of want to go back, point out a couple of things. Uh, Actually, I kind of want to go back to verses 12, 13, and 14, just park there for a second. Uh, there's something that's been on my, my heart lately, been on my mind. It's kind of 
funny, uh, this morning in our staff meeting, I had the devotional and I, I ended up talking about uh, some of some of this uh, idea. And then here I am recording this and here it's coming up again. Because for me personally, this has just been uh, a struggle. You know, sometimes uh, if you're like me, you might struggle with the idea that you have to work hard to make yourself good enough for God. My experience growing up in church was you had to do more. You had to do better. You had to do enough good in order to be good. Uh, good enough for God. But when tw- these verses 12 through 14, you know, it shows us that rules and rituals have never cleansed people's hearts. And so by Jesus' blood alone, uh, one, we have our consciences cleansed. Two, we are freed from death's sting and can live to serve God. And, and then three, we are freed from sin's power. I get into this mode where I start carrying a load of guilt because of, of things that I have done or things that I haven't done or things that I didn't do good enough uh, or maybe I haven't done enough. And it's not about wanting to please God. It is, I think I have to do enough in order to be good enough for God. And so if you carry around uh, a load of guilt because you think you're not good enough for God, I think you and I both need to take another look at Jesus' death and what it means for us. What the writer here in Hebrews is telling us is Christ can heal our conscience and, and can deliver us from the frustration of trying to earn God's favor. That we don't need to be guilt-ridden. We don't have to live a guilt-ridden life. Uh, that we can bring it to Jesus. We can confess our inability to clean up our own conscience and ask Him to forgive us and thank Him for deliverance because God can forgive you and clear the record. We don't have to be good enough. God already loves us. And so we don't do more or work harder or do better because that's how we become good enough. We do it because of what God has done for us. So don't fall in the trap that I've fallen into lately of thinking I'm not good enough for God because that is so far from the truth. And I realize that. And right now I'm like, yeah, amen. I guess I'm, can you amen yourself? I don't know. Uh, but, you know, right now I'm thinking, amen. I agree 100%. And then tomorrow might happen or tomorrow comes and, and what knows, who knows what might happen. Uh, in verse 14, something I want to point out to you, um, in the translation I read from, which is the NLT, uh, in verse 14, it says, Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our conscience from sinful deeds. Uh, the translation you might be reading from um, probably says dead works there. And really, that's a better use or better translation of that uh, dead works instead of sinful deeds. Uh, because here's the thing, sinful deeds are more than just wrong actions. Ironically, they can also include our attempts to reach God by being good enough. And so the writer here, the author, the, the preacher points out, hey, uh, you, you, how much can Jesus' blood cover you and purify your conscience from your dead works? These works you're trying to do to be good enough, they're dead. They're useless. They're not getting you anywhere. You know, our culture glorifies uh, personal achievement. Uh, you know, work harder, uh, achieve for yourself. It defines a successful person as one who uh, obtains, you know, certain goals they set for themselves, whether it's uh, health, you know, fitness, respect of others, financial security. But here, it gives us a different picture of successful living, and that is accepting Jesus' sacrifice for our sin and abandoning the futility of sinful deeds and let the blood of Christ purify your sin 
conscience. Kind of want to jump down to verse 24. Because uh, that's just you know, among these references to priests and, and tabernacles and sacrifices and other ideas that are really kind of unfamiliar to us. We come to the description of Christ as our mediator. That he's appearing uh, in God's presence on our behalf. Uh, I think that we can relate to this role best of all those roles that he lists. Uh, and then be encouraged by it. Because Christ is on our side at God's side. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. He's not there to convince or remind God that our sins are forgiven, but he's there to present both our needs and our service for him as an offering, if you go back and look in chapter 7, verse 25. And so this whole section, I think, could be summed up by saying, or pointing out the fact that each year, in the context, faithful Jews during Bible times made the trek to Jerusalem to to make sacrifices. These were actual blood and gut animal sacrifices to, uh, quote, pay for their sins. Their destination was the temple. And the building was foreboding. The air was filled with the, the bleeding of sheep and the, the smell of burning flesh and a rising plume of smoke and aroma for God's nose. And they would change the coins. They'd pay the fees. They'd buy the animals. And then they offer the sacrifices. This was the way of things. God's righteous anger had to be satisfied. And the price of sin was unfortunately blood. Without blood to mark their forgiveness, they could not go to sleep at night knowing whether or not God had forgiven them. So what would bring an end to the need to please God? Well, this is in this passage we read. This passage points to Jesus' death on the cross and the requirements of the Levitical sacrifices and says, there, it's done. Jesus' death is the final one. No more temple, no more sacrifices. God has been satisfied. Sin has been answered once and for all in the blood of a more perfect sacrifice than any that had ever come before. Thank you for listening, not just today, but each time you listen to the Illuminated Word. Our hope is that this podcast encourages you each time Maybe you learned something new you didn't know before, but that it would encourage you to continue living your faith as you move uh, throughout your day. And of course, our prayer is also that you would see opportunities that God has opened for you each day to be a blessing to those around you in some form or fashion. And until next time you listen to the Illuminated Word, have a blessed day.